Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Light as Meringue Bryant. <laughs> I've never heard that term, light as meringue, until you just said it before I, we recorded. I think I made it up. It's, it is light. Oh, yeah. It's be- beats light as a feather. That's old. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, so, Chuck. Yes, Josh. Do you remember when you started a podcast with Punkin' Chunkin', Punkin' Chunkin', Punkin' Chunkin'? I do remember that. We've been talking about that a lot, and uh, I don't know exactly when this podcast is coming out, but I imagine it's going to be right around the time that the show Punkin' Chunkin' mm-hmm. and The Road to Punkin' Chunkin' yes. premieres on... Um, the Science Channel, yeah, which is the day that was formerly known as Thanksgiving, sure, until the Science Channel took it over with Pumpkin Chunkin. Right now, it's Pumpkin Chunkin Day, right? Indeed. Do you have a clue what Pumpkin Chunkin is? I do. Well, let's talk about it. Well, let's talk about a lot of unusual town festivals, Josh. That's fine with me because I got a whole list of them right let's here. Let's do pal. a podcast where you don't hear words like hypothalamus and hypocalamus and hippopotamus. Okay, let's do a fun one. Okay, or Clovis Police. Or Clovis Police. I got in a Clovis argument with a guy the other day, by the way. Did you really? Did you decimate him? Yeah, sort of. And he was kind of like, no, but I thought people came over from the Bering Land Bridge. And I was like, well, they did, but not before Homeboy came up from South America. Exactly. Idiot. Did you thump his ear with your forefinger? I did. Good. So, Punkin Chunkin, Josh, uh, takes place in Sussex County, Delaware. In, right? Am yeah, I right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> why, why were you looking at me? Well, I don't know. You looked at me like I had it wrong. Uh, no, I just zoned out for a second. And uh, I believe it's a benefit for uh, St. Jude's Children's uh, Research Hospital there. Yeah, I didn't know that before, and I was glad to find that out. Sure, me too. Yeah. And they've been doing this since 1986. Yeah, and they've gotten pretty uh, pretty serious about this, actually. Yeah. So, uh, And I was, I was staggered at how far these things go. Well, actually, the world record for a uh, chunked pumpkin... Right? Yeah. Is like 800 feet shy of a mile. Yeah. 4,483 feet, dude. Can right. you imagine seeing a pumpkin going that far? Well, you wouldn't. It'd go out of your field of vision like <laughs> halfway there. Oh, I don't yeah. think That's you can point. see a pumpkin or a pumpkin go a mile. Well, if you're out in the middle of the desert or something, you probably could. Maybe. And there's some pretty uh, plowed fields around there. Yeah. It depends on how big your pumpkin is. Right. <laughs> or what you're using. And there's actually, I think, seven different... um Categories, or seven different contests in three different categories. Right. There's um, centrifuges, which spin around real fast and then release them. Okay. Uh, there is the catapult. Sure, tried and true. And then there's the um, air cannons. And the air cannons are the ones that everybody shows up for. Are those the ones that win? You want to shoot a pumpkin a mile, you use an air cannon. Right. Have you seen these things? Uh, to go yeah. to the DMC and yeah, check yeah. it out? Yeah, I watched it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. There there were some um, that are, um, uh, what would that be called? Um, Vehicle-based. Okay. So you drive these things up, and they look like howitzers. Right. And they will shoot a pumpkin a mile. Wow. It's pretty cool because you think like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's they're going to shoot a pumpkin out of an air cannon, and it's going to go a mile, and then we'll all break for 20 minutes and go get a drink while the next guy loads up. No. Right. This year uh, at Wheatley Farm, they shot 2,000 pumpkins. Yeah. So there's nonstop action, I would imagine. Yeah. It's pretty cool. 
and uh, there's all kinds of other stuff they do there, like pie making contests, of course, and music. Mm-hmm. Well, most of these festivals that we're going to talk about have music and, and food ingestion as part of it. Yes. Because what's a festival without music and food ingestion? Well, I don't know. It's not a festival. Um, we I don't know that we should um, spoil who won. Because we've got the we've got the results right here. Oh yeah, sure. We probably shouldn't. No. So let's just uh, not talk about that anymore. What then. was it they flung on? Uh, did you used to watch Northern Exposure? Huh? What did they fling on that show? Poo? No, they flung. Oh, a piano. Yeah, they uh, used like a catapult or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I it was that awesome. Show. I forgot all about that. So good. That one was uh, almost as good as the one where Chris grabbed all the lamps in town. Oh, and yeah. Strung them up downtown. Yeah, yeah. And just lit the whole downtown. Oh, it was awesome. He was a great character. I wonder what happened to that guy. He was. It, it really, he really could have gone overboard with it, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Pumpkin Chunkin'. It's held uh, in early November every year, right? In Delaware. In Delaware, right? Yes. Let's go elsewhere, Chuck. Where would you like to go? Because we got a bunch of these. I know that you're going to... Uh, stone me for uh, going straight to Nederland, Colorado. Yeah. But why not talk about the Frozen Dead Guy Days Festival? This is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So This is an actual festival in uh, March in Colorado, so it's already cold. Right. Started in uh, 1994, is that right? Oh, no, 2002 is when the festival started. Right. But its roots go back to 1994. Well, actually, it goes back to 1989 when Grandpa Bredo Morstol right. died. Sure. And uh, Grandpa Bredo was a member of a family that was uh, very much proponents of cryogenics. Yeah. So they shipped Grandpa off to California where he was um, entombed cryogenically. Yeah, for four years. Right. Um, and he, uh, I guess, got a little homesick. Yeah. His family got a little more confident that they could maintain him. Right. And uh, so they shipped him back in 1994. And he's been in a tough shed, T-U-F-F uh-huh. brand shed. Since 1994. Yes, and now they have uh, built the Frozen Dead Guy Days Festival around him. Yeah. And his frozen body. It's been described as uh, cryonics Mardi Gras. Hi, frozen body. Yeah, nice <laughs> joke. Uh, and what goes on there, Josh, besides um, clearly some drinking is probably happening? Uh, there is uh, Grandpa's Blue Ball, uh, which is the dance. Right. That they have every every year. The cotillion, if you will. Right. They have... Um, Antique hearse shows. Yeah. They have coffin races. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Which I take <laughs> to be like um, toboggan races. Oh, oh, is that what that is? I think so. I mean, it's frozen. There's lots of snow. It's Colorado in early March. Sure. Sure. So just throw some uh, blades on a coffin and go at it. Then they have some, um, I guess, non-death uh, events, too, like salmon tossing. Although if you're a salmon, it's a death event. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and frozen beach volleyball, too. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's just an, an all-around odd thing. Yeah, and they also do a polar plunge, which is uh, if you're brave enough to jump in the, the the lake there. I am not. You don't do that? No, have you? Uh, I've done that before. I did a um, a, a frozen lake jump when I was you really? in high school. That's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it's one of those deals where you jump in, you can't breathe, and you run back out and warm up and tell your friends about it for the next 30 years. Right. <laughs> Or but I'm never going to be one of those polar bear guys. I don't. Worry. No, that's. I just. I don't get that. No. Okay, so Chuck, where to next? Let's go to Montana. I like Montana. One of my best friends, Rad Smith, lives in Montana. <laughs> well, hey, Brad Smith. Rad. What? Rad is short for Radford. Oh, okay. Hey, Radford Smith. <laughs> I think he listens too. Okay. Yeah, well, Rad. Rad was the OG. He was my best friend when I was like 15. Cool. And we're back in touch again, which is nice. That's all. Facebook. 
Uh, yeah, originally, but then we immediately when we found each other, we were like, let's just email like normal. Sure, adults. yeah. Yeah. Emailing over Facebook is weird. No, I don't do that. So, Chuck, we're in Montana, um, and we're at the Rock Creek Lodge in Clinton, Montana. Uh huh. Clinton. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is it Clinton? I think it's just Clinton. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was doing the <laughs> Kang and Kodos pronunciation. President Clinton. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and uh, every year in September, they hold the Testicle Festival. Yeah. Rocky Mountain Oysters, as most people might know this by, are. Or Montana Tender Groin. Yeah, I like that too. This is one of the punniest festivals I've ever heard of in my life. It is. Chris Paulette probably goes every year. <laughs> it um everyone knows that the Rocky Mountain oyster is a nice way of, of saying that you eat bull's testicles. Right. And it's a real thing. It's really oh, on yeah. the menu in a lot of restaurants. Apparently it came off of the trail, uh-huh. off of the cattle drive trail sure. where um I guess Cookie would take uh, recently castrated bull's testicles. And toss them in a fire. And I guess they're really easy to cook because they just pop open when they're ready. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just got to chill. I have a confession to make. Let's hear. You've had them. I have not. Oh, okay. Uh, you really want to go? I am definitely going to this next year. I want to well, try this. Plus, Montana's awesome. Yeah. It looks like a great time. Uh, what else can you do there, Josh? I know you can have, um, there's music, of course. There is a, uh, a hairy chest contest. Yeah. Which is, uh, I'm not sure what that has to do with bull's testicles. I guess they put hair, put on, hair on your chest. chest. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> uh, a wet T-shirt contest, which is always fun at a bull testicle contest, mm-hmm. and a blue uh, bull chip throwing. So I guess like a cow pie uh, sometimes can flatten out and harden like a frisbee. Sure, I guess it's the same thing. <laughs> we can only hope so. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a big one. There's 10,000 people that eat about 4,000 pounds of bull testicles. Yeah. I'll be one of them next September. Dude, that's great. Um, and uh, it's not the only one, though. It's not the only Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival in oh, yeah, the U.S. Th- there's another one um, in Texas, right? Uh, it is, yeah, Throckmorton, Throck- Texas. In Clinton. Throckmorton, <laughs> Texas. Uh-huh, and they do the, they, the same thing there, Josh. I know. They also, uh, the one in Throckmorton actually has a, uh, if you don't like bull's testicles, so if you're like 99% of the human population, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, there, there is a, uh, taste like chicken cook-off competition, um, where you can cook any weird thing you want. Yeah, but if you're not into bull's testicles, you're probably not gonna... You're not gonna be in Throckmorton in May. <laughs> no, you're not gonna be eating out of the taste like chicken line either. Right. Cause I guarantee you it ain't chicken. No, no, no. Although that would be, uh, Delightfully ironic if somebody yeah. cooked chicken for the taste like chicken competition. Does it taste like chicken? Yes, because it is. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. So that's the Testicle Festival and the World Championship Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival. I want to go overseas now to Spain. <laughs> Do you? España. Okay. Uh, because this one is something that we podcasted on recently, the near death experience. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a near, the festival of near death experience. Yes. Which is crazy. Um, Chuck, this one is held in, uh... Fiesta de Santa Marta de Rebarmente. Nice one, Chuck. Thank you. Which also translates to, as Chuck said, actually doesn't translate to it, but you can call it the, um, Festival of Near-Death Experiences. Um, the way Chuck said it would be the Festival of St. Martha of Rebarteme. Rebarteme. Actually, I think I pronounced it wrong, but you got it right. Yeah. Rebarteme. So, uh. That's in July, July 29th every right. year. St. Martha is actually the, um, saint of death. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this festival is actually for people specifically who have had near death experiences. Right. This one is, um, I'm glad we talked about the frozen dead guy days. It's not like that. 
No. Although the people who are, I guess, the celebrants or the center of this festival, the people who've had near-death experiences, uh-huh. are carried into the main church in the town. Um, what is it? Uh, Las Nieves? Yeah. Uh, and in coffins. Yeah, they're carried in coffins to a service, a church service, from what I gather, mm-hmm. where they get up and they tell their stories to everyone. Right, uh, which apparently... Also sound very much alike. There's that light yeah, at the end sure. of the tunnel, all that stuff that we talked about in the near-death experience right. podcast. Um, but I guess if you want to go meet a bunch of people who've died and come back, yeah. this is the, this is your chance. I think if I went to as a, a imposter, which I'm known to do, <laughs> yes. I would be one of the uh, whatever small percentage of the people were that had the hellfire experience just to spice things up. I think that's a good idea. Remember, it was a very the small one, percentage. one percent, according yeah. to that 82 Gallup poll. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, white light, white light. Now we get up so there and say, I saw fire. You, you you get up there and go, you don't want to die. Right. You're all doomed. <laughs> and get me out of this coffin. <laughs> right. So that is the, uh, what's it called? Say it again, Chuck. The uh, Fiesta de Santa Marta de Rebartema. Nice. Thank you. Was that Italian or Spanish I, accent? It's, it's they're close. Where do you want to go next, dude? Uh, well, we can't not talk about wife carrying. This is a lot like the healthcare um, podcast, the last one, where we went all over the world. Yeah, in a balloon. Yeah. But this one's far less informative and educational <laughs> sure. in nature. Yeah, let's talk about wife carrying. So that would put us in, uh, squarely in Finland, specifically Sonkajärve, Finland. Yeah, they have letters that don't even look like letters. They have letters that don't even exist. <laughs> Uh, and it is exactly as it sounds. There's no weird play on words here. It is actually, there are races where a man picks up his wife mm-hmm. and carries her in whatever way you choose, whatever way you think is the, the best way to get across the finish line. Yeah. The quickest. And, uh, the, the one that's held in Finland is the, uh, world championships, but these have popped up elsewhere, including in the United States. Yeah, but the one in Finland, dude, 8,000 people attend this thing. No, it's like the one. Like people who win in the United States or Hong Kong or Australia go to Finland to to compete for the champs, right? The championships. Um, So you would think the Finnish are the best at this. And actually, um, a couple did win the 2009. But I am want to point out they were not married. Really? As far as I know, they weren't married. Um, the, the 2009 winners were, I, I'm about to butcher this, Taisto McTiany. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry, Taisto. And uh, Christina Happening. She's one happening girl. So no, different last names. Uh-huh. And it said their cities, two different cities. Uh, but see, there aren't many rules to this. Right. Uh, but there are a couple. And one is that she must be over 17. Right. Uh over 108 pounds. Right. Meaning that, uh, she qualifies in the weight, weight class. And if she doesn't weigh that much, they actually tie things to her to make her weigh that much. Right. So if your wife comes in at 100 pounds, they'll put an eight pound weight around her waist. She's got like a set of, uh, silverware around her or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about the methods. Uh, actually, as I was saying, that you would think the Finnish are sure. um, the best. The Estonians are so good that they have their own method of carrying Called named after them. The Estonian method. Yeah, <laughs> and I've seen pictures. Have you ever seen pictures uh-huh. of this? It looks like clearly the way to go because you can do the piggyback, but everyone knows that's not the way to go. No, because the center of gravity is lower. The weight yeah. is is toward the 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 your back. Sure, the carrier's back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the Estonian method is upside down like that, right? Well, yeah, it's um, your wife would put her legs around your head upside down, so her face is kind of around where your lower back is, and then she'll wrap her arms around your waist. Right. So the the bulk of her weight, like the the trunk and um, the bottom, uh-huh. are up on your shoulders. Yeah, it's like a human backpack. Very much so. Yes. And that's clearly the way to go because I believe wasn't that the method used when they broke the uh, world record? I believe so. So Estonian is definitely the style you should, uh, if you're in- intent on winning. And you should intend on winning because this one actually has a nice little prize attached. It does. You get your wife's weight in beer. I love it. I love it too. Uh-huh. I would love to drink that much beer. And I imagine if she weighs less than the 108 pounds, they don't give you the weight of the silverware that she had around her waist. If she weighed 80 pounds, oh, yeah. they'd probably give you 80 pounds of beer. I guess so. But if I were in Finland, I would beef up my wife to a cool, like, 220 and see if I could win and get 220 pounds of beer. <laughs> I'd ask if I could trade the beer in for uh, an equal amount of vodka instead. They might do that. Maybe. That's a lot of vodka. Chuck, we are exiting Finland now. Goodbye, Finland. Let's go back to Spain. We probably should have just stayed in Spain while we were there, right? Mm, yeah, but we're racking up frequent flyer points here, so, so <laughs> we're going to uh, La Tomatina in Buñol, Spain. Yeah, this is a cool province one. of Valencia, aka you probably know it as the largest tomato fight in mm-hmm. the world, right? And that's what it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, it began in 1945, and not everyone's entirely certain why. Yeah, but, there's different theories that like these two friends got in a fight and it escalated to a food fight, mm-hmm. and then everyone around them said, "This is kind of fun. Let's food fight with them," and then that escalated to the next town over. But that doesn't sound likely to me. No, uh, this isn't a Fairly Brothers comedy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but however, it, it whatever its origin, it, it's been going on every year, as far as I know. Um, and for an hour on the last Wednesday of August. Everybody grabs as many tomatoes as they can. Apparently, 140 yeah. tons are trucked in these yeah. days, um, and everybody just starts whipping tomatoes at one another. I want to do this one, man. Oh, yeah. It's, I would turn on you though. like that. Oh, pff, are you kidding me? Before <laughs> they said go, you would have a tomato in my face. I would not. Sure. Or you would bring in your own rotten tomatoes. I would not. Yeah, you would. I wouldn't. Well, I would. <laughs> oh, that's me I was thinking of. Oh, okay. I would do that. And uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a huge tomato fight that lasts an hour. Yeah. So that is uh, La Tomatina, which takes place when, Chuck? The last Wednesday of August, right? Uh, Yeah. And it's pretty dang popular. 20,000 strong. It's a lot of tomatoes thrown. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck, our last stop, you could call a whistle stop. Yes. If you were a jerk who liked to make stupid jokes, you would call it a whistle stop, wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, what is it, uh, Laguna Niguel, California? Yeah, Laguna Niguel. It's in Southern California. Well, not all of us have lived in California. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. So, um, Chuck, ever since 1980, once a year, and I think it's in July, right? Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't heard of this. Once a year, people line up along the railroad tracks, uh-huh. along the side, not actually on the railroad tracks. That would be Hands Across America. Sure. Um, and they moon passing Amtrak trains. Yes. And for those of you who don't know what mooning is, that is a practice of pulling down your pants and showing somebody your butt. Your bottom. It is a old tradition. I wonder where mooning started. I have no idea. Ooh, that's a... Um, but at one point or yeah. another, if you're growing up in high school, you probably mooned somebody at some point, pressed ham. Would you like to hear my mooning story? <laughs> I figured you had one. 
Well, yeah? Yeah, let's hear it. So, uh, in sixth grade, I was a crossing guard, as most sixth graders were. Okay. And I was at one post, bored. <laughs> okay. And uh, at the smokes. other end, at the <laughs> <laughs> my flask was dry. At the other end of the block were a couple of girls, both of whom I was friends with and liked. <laughs> And I was like, Kelly, Joel, and, and they looked over and I mooned them. Right. And they started screaming and pointing and telling everyone who would listen that I'd just mooned them. And I'm like, no, shut up, shut up. Yeah, mooning is private. Long story short, I end up in the principal's office and I lose my right to go to Cedar Point as the sixth grade class trip that year. Ah, uh, you're kidding me. No. And I got kicked off the crossing guard, which is actually my point because I was tired of being a crossing guard. You know what? That's a, that's a crappy punishment. <laughs> Your principal was a jerk. Yes. He should have just kicked you off the crossing guard, but to not let you go to Cedar Point? No, that, I agree. That's cruel. It seemed a little much. This is the same principal, though, who was about to paddle me once, and um, as she was getting the paddle down, I was like, I think you might want to call my parents first. Oh, really? Yeah, and she was like, what? And called my parents, and my mom was like, you do not hit my child with the paddle. Yeah, see, you're a little younger than me. And I was like, me. I'm indulged. Capital punishment was kind of on its way out when you were coming around. Def- she had the paddles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dad was my principal, as you know. So I know, and I'll bet he paddled you relentlessly. He paddled me one time in school as principal. Wow. Yeah. I guess he kind of had to do that just to, you know, say, I- I'm not above doing this. Yeah, isn't that to crazy to think son. about now, though, the principal actually... Hitting your child with wood. Yeah. It seems like something from the 18th century. Yeah, and they even had, like, manufactured paddles with, like, the air holes drilled in them. Yeah. So that, like, it, it, there was l- less drag. <laughs> That's what he had. <laughs> yeah. This is all taped up, too. What is wrong with the older generation? I don't know, They're man. all nuts. It is weird to think And about. they're about to put a huge strain on our health care system. Thanks a lot for that. So, uh, back to mooning. Um, every year since 1980, they do that for some reason. And the police uh, have good humor about it. They let it go as long as you don't um, take it too far and you don't, like, expose other body parts. They say, you can moon the trains. And they moon every train that goes by. Is that right? Yes, um, as far as I know. Uh Uh, And the cops are there. Just to make sure it's peaceful. Well, in 2008, no, to make sure people don't show their genitals. Well, and make sure it's peaceful. In in 2008, the, the party got broken up because apparently people were like, it's not enough to bear my bottom. We'll just get naked. Yeah. And that's not Hey, man, it's Laguna Niguel, California. Yeah. So, I'm stripping uh, down to nothing but my Tevas. Yeah, when was that, 2008, that they said enough's enough? Yeah, and I like their website. Um, there's a series of questions like, you know, what, 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 you know, when, where, why, that kind of thing. And there's one that says, who's in charge? And the answer is no one. Right. No one organizes or is responsible for this annual event. You just show up and pull your pants down. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, if you happen to be there in Laguna Niguel, not to be confused with Laguna Niguel, mm-hmm. its sister city <laughs> elsewhere, um, on July 10th, 2010, you just ask where the Amtrak mooning party is. Yes. Yeah. So, boy, this is a good one. So, I Chuck. I feel like it, we're all just a little smarter. I, I've got some places I want to go. Uh, yeah, me too. Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival. And yep. all uh, do stuff. you want to go? Uh, no. You, I'll just drop me off in Laguna Niguel and I'll be mooning trains. Okay. Okay. That good. Um, so that is Unusual Town Festivals. And actually, if you type in festivals uh, in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, it will bring up all manner of stuff. Yes. There's some pretty good stuff on there. And, and we're, we're anticipating Chuck- a million emails about your town's festival, too. 
Yes, we are. Uh, which I, you just saved me the ending. Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, let's get just right into listening now, shall we? Josh, I'm just going to call this. Uh, uh, what am I going to call this? <laughs> I'm going to call this uh, boarding school email, and it made me laugh. Gone wrong? No, gone right. Uh. This is from uh, Natalie in Massachusetts, and sometimes you just get these emails that are just kind of cute, and you just think, I'll just read it. What the heck? Okay. Uh, guys, I'm a boarding high school student in Massachusetts. I sent an email a few months back about listening to podcasts at camp, and now I listen during silent study. At my school, I have silent study. From <laughs> is, seven, wait, is this your Natalie impression? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. From uh, 7.30 to 9.30, and to make things interesting, I listen to your podcast, and it is a highlight of my day. I'm currently listening to the podcast that came out today. And I feel so much cooler than my roommate who was listening to the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, good for you. We are definitely cooler than the Pussycat Dolls, I assure you. You guys are way cooler than them. Yeah, Funny. see? She just said so. Yeah. I really enjoy your podcast on science, history, and music, but the economy and politics are not my fave, something you seem to enjoy. Josh, why do you want to chew on babies? Sorry for the interjection there. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> It, he clearly doesn't really want to chew on babies. It's just that gnaw, like, rah, 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 yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Or whatever. Uh, now I supply my English teacher with extra credit questions with things I learned from the podcast, and I got the chance to teach the class and talk to them about MK Ultra. Awesome. Pretty cool. Uh, could you give me a shout-out on the podcast so I can show the girls in my dorm how awesome I am? This is the shout-out, Natalie. Uh, that would be the <laughs> highlight of my life. Yes. Which is kind of depressing. Uh, other than the time I saw a ghost. Oh, Natalie's just full of stuff, isn't she? Yeah, I'm going to tell my ghost story at some other point, but I did see a ghost once. Okay. I'm going to save that one for our ghost podcast. All right. Uh, The weekend activity a few weeks ago was a ghost hunter who uncovered a ghost in the history wing. Suggestion, ghost hunters. That's what she says. Yeah, we're not going to do ghost hunters. We'll do ghosts. I have a ghost story, too. And then she just followed that by saying, that was spontaneous. (laughs) This girl's adorable. (laughs) Uh, I do not know how that train of thought went. Thank you for reading my rambling. You have won Twinkie points. Natalie from Massachusetts. Nice, Natalie. Natalie clearly has a firm grasp on her stream of consciousness. She does. Yeah. Well, if you have a firm grasp on your stream of consciousness, or you've ever seen the film Drugstore Cowboy, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?